welcome to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series. Hi, this is Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. We have a special guest today, the actress Seema Kukrecha. Did I get that right? Perfectly right. Perfectly right. Very good. (laughs) Seema is originally from Delhi, India. And uh, she is uh, a healthcare consultant by day and an actress of considerable prominence here in the Triangle Theater community. Seema, welcome. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you for having me over. Well, it's my pleasure indeed. Uh, You are playing the pivotal role of uh, uh, the play The Great Celestial Cow uh, by Sue Townsend. You're playing kind of, I guess you could say, the lead role. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, tell us about Sita. Who is Sita? All right, I guess Sita is part of uh, every woman um, Mm -hmm. who has to deal with breaking taboos. And uh, so basically she's depicting somebody who's strong enough to uh, relate to her identity uh, without uh, having to give up on her dreams, Mm -hmm. uh, even with all the prejudice and racial discrimination and social and societal uh, norms that are imposed on her. So I see Sita as a fighter. I see part of my mom in Sita. I see part of myself in Sita and most of my artist friends in Sita. Sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be, Good. to be playing that. The play is set, uh, it was written during the 1980s, but it's actually mm-hmm. set uh, mm-hmm. during the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So it is a bit of a period piece. Yes. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, themes uh, that the play deals with have not entirely been uh, left with the past, uh, mm-hmm. uh, either in India or in England, where mm-hmm. the play eventually moves to, mm-hmm. uh, or indeed here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, when you uh, first read the script, did you immediately identify with that part of the play, the, the political elements? She's also a mother and a wife. Um, and she works uh, with her hands uh, in India. Did any of those things appeal to you as well? In many ways. Uh, uh, when I first read the play, I, the, the overall impression of that cow, you know, that stood on my, you know, my, on my soul was that this cow is not just only a personal companion of Sita. She's, a, she's very symbolic of uh, our culture, our community, our values, and the relationships that we leave behind when we move to new country. Right. So, and... That you, that you have to leave behind. Th- have to leave behind, right. Yeah. And, and uh, regardless of how many beautiful relations, uh, you know, I've nurtured and you know, embraced over here, United States have been really, really good to me, you know, uh, as a person. And uh, I've got my two masters here. So uh, this country, you know, I mean, I, I've got a lot to thank, you know, to this country for. Sure. But I, yes, I could see my, you know, part of my journey, you know, as an immigrant uh, when I read the story. And uh, more, more than me, I related to this story um, 
with more depth and compassion because I I was born and brought up on you know those stories of immigrants because both my parents were immigrants. Uh, my father was originally from Pakistan and my mom was actually born in Afghanistan. Oh, really? And oh. they both moved to uh, Delhi, India, you know, after post-partition state, you yeah. know, when when British took over. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's very I know I found it uh, very humbling it, and it's kind of very nurturing in itself, uh, you know, to be able to tell something, tell a story to a wider audience that you feel that you're part of and you can connect in so many ways. I've been I've been told by three or four people in the community who've mm-hmm. read the play mm-hmm. that uh, it's a play about them. Yes, um, and I always. Uh, smile when I when I hear that uh, because I think it's a play about me uh-huh. <laughs> that's why I wanted to do it uh, absolutely but uh, but I uh, obviously didn't come from another country but mm-hmm. I did uh, you know hailing from the south you know from the from a very rural middle Tennessee mm-hmm. and wanting to be an artist you know right. the, the overall pressure was to move to one of the great northeastern um, urban uh, cities uh, mm-hmm. you, c- you can't be an actor in rural middle Tennessee right. uh, so right. the thought went uh, although I think digital technology is slowly changing that yes. Um, yes. but uh, but certainly in the 1970s when I was coming of age and when this play is set mm-hmm. um, uh, the same I felt some of the same pressures I think that probably uh, probably you and many many others from yes. many other lands felt tell me a little bit about Delhi how long were you there were you, what, what age were you when you immigrated um, so I got married at 26 so it's been uh, 19 years close to 19 years okay. yes yeah. and um, so I always told my dad I'm not going to marry outside of my city. And I ended up marrying outside of my country. Well. <laughs> and and that's how I landed in the United States. And my husband was already here. And uh, I was in India. And we fell in love over the phone communications, the long conversations. And uh, I think uh, spirituality was uh, spirituality was one biggest factor, sure. you know, in our connection. And and moving to another country i didn't you know was the last thing on my mind i just you know wanted to be with this person i was so madly in love with what and what were you doing uh, before that uh, yes yes i uh, so i had my uh, masters in corporate law from india and i was also uh, working at a multinational called Citibank, and I was the territory manager by the day. And uh, uh, in the nighttime, I was the radio jockey for All India Radio, and I was having a full life there. And you know, there I you know get married to this man, and I come to a country that I barely knew about, yeah. and uh, um, more so on a dependent visa. So it was a big shift for me, and but yeah, my husband have you know been has been very very supportive of my dreams, and uh, I pursued my two masters here again, and got back to school, and got ready, you know, and uh, but I missed my radio, I missed my street theater in India, yeah. and I used to do a, a lot of street theater with the Safdar Hashmi group. Um, we we would uh, do 
I like improv kind of theater on yeah. street, like without sure. any scripts, and we would just, you know, um, given a topic like you know dealing with social vices, mm -hmm. and we would just go on, and uh, and that, so that was something you know I was really missing when I came here, yeah. and I'm so glad I found my connection back in North Carolina back in 2011 with Justice Theater, and right. since then I've not stopped. What did you do uh, with Justice Theater project? My very first project with Justice Theater was Secret Garden. Oh yes, and oh, and. You know, and s again, you know, I keep talking about in all my interviews about uh, my spiritual path, but I think it has played such a pivotal role in shaping my beliefs, in shaping my personality, my values. Um, I was not even looking for auditioning, and I was dealing with uh, my grief. I lost my mom uh, in 2011. And I was still dealing with the shock and the grief because it came off, you know, as a very sudden. And the secret garden is about. And secret garden was about this girl who's lost both her parents in, you know, British yeah. colonial setting. And I'm yeah. like, this is this is this is a good, interesting theme. And I just applied for mm -hmm. an ensemble, and like singer in ensemble, and they selected me for a singer and an actor and a Bharatanatyam dancer. And I ended up playing the Indian spirit. Uh, who acts as a catalyst, who brings relief to this, you know, uh, to this grieving girl. Sounds and that right. was surreal, you know, here in my personal life, I'm grieving, you know, at my own personal loss. And on, on stage life, I am, I'm sh shown as like, I can imbibe that power to somebody else. Yeah. And it was, it was surreal. That yeah. must have been uh, uh, very nice for you to, very to powerful. be able to act that, yes. that out. Yes. Yeah. This is an aside, but when, um, when The Secret Garden was first being produced mm -hmm. on Broadway, mm -hmm. I, uh, I was directing um, Daisy Egan's father in a play. Wow. Uh, and she, so she was doing the play down on Broadway, and we were up at 103rd uh -huh. and Broadway, I think, uh -huh. uh, and she would have a limo driver up there after, and she'd come <laughs> running up. She was like a nine years old or something. She'd come running up the stairs into the theater and go, Oh, my Hey, God. Dad, when can we lose this l lousy place? Come on, let's go home. <laughs> when can we get out of here? And oh, my God, that's fascinating. She sounded like a, like a Damon Runyon character or uh -huh. something like that. She was nine years old. But she had had the same experience. Her mother died as she was doing that play oh my God. of cancer yeah and yeah. so Daisy had uh, had that unfortunate experience uh, wow. but I do imagine that it uh, it was part of the reason why her performance was so so not true. meaningful yes. yeah yeah Very exactly true. exactly Seema um, tell uh, so I want to get back to Delhi just for a moment sure just, please well, tell me what it's like what's it like <laughs> a city like that I've never been there what most of our listeners have probably never been there what's it like if you are a foodie you need to go into old Delhi streets you know try out this North Indian snacks and uh, if, if you're a vegetarian or you're non-vegetarian you will get anything anyways yeah. on Delhi yeah. streets but um, Delhi is a mix of everything. I mean, it's colorful, a lot of honking on the street yeah, and sure. people spitting, <laughs> not bothered about, you know, not, not, not like on the, on the main street, but I mean, I've, I've been often asked, you know, reminding me of this cow, I've been often asked like, oh, do we still see cows in Delhi streets? I'm like, yes, we do. Yeah. Not on like the main, you know, main city roads, but yeah, I mean, if you go to the outskirts of Delhi, you would still find a lot of cows like sitting around and, you uh -huh. know, just, you know, gazing and, so yeah, so Delhi is. Uh, oh, I mean, I can just. It just you're making me so nostalgic. I mean, my my basic schooling was from Delhi and uh, uh, the Red Fort and uh, the Parliament House, the the Indian embassies there. So. Yeah. 
what else can I tell you about? Connaught Place is like, a, um, it's a little New York mm -hmm. there, right in the heart of Delhi. Uh, American uh, people or English speaking people? Uh, yes, I mean now in last decade or so, I would say the tourism uh, has increased so much and a lot of it has to be contributed uh, from the medical tourism area because people mm -hmm. are now like you know visiting India as not just a destination holiday but also going to you know you know visit places in India to get their healthcare treatments yeah, done because sure. it's more way more affordable than what you get here Wait, even with more insurance. More affordable than in the United States? <laughs> yes yes uh, believe me or not like I get whole my whole body checkup done in under three hundred dollars. Yeah. So even even with the you know with all sophisticated healthcare because yeah. of the con conversion of US dollar to Indian right. rupee it comes out less. Yeah. So, so what kinds of yes. people are there? Uh, is, is it like uh, a London where there's pretty much every different ethnicity? Yes, you can see that. Yes, and uh, more so in Delhi because Delhi's you know being the capital. People, immigrants from Bihar, the UP, Madhya Pradesh, in the all the adjacent surrounding cities, you yeah. know want to you know be in the heart of delhi you know for jobs and for betterment and you know and for it's it's great housing it's not as expensive as mumbai so delhi is affordable uh, in terms of more metropolitan cities mm -hmm. so yeah yeah you will see all kinds of people different uh, classes and different that sort classes of thing. yes so so that's uh, that's fantastic and then you now live in uh, Kerry, i guess or i'm in durham you're in durham okay mm -hmm. Um, and uh, Durham's a, a happening place, but mm -hmm. it's not like that. You know, it's not yes. like what you're describing. Yes. Yes. Nor is any really any U.S. city. I guess New York is probably the closest. Yes. But does that uh, does that? How much adjustment does that take to to suddenly find yourself <laughs> the minority uh, in in a sea of uh, faces that don't look like you? What does that? How, how does that affect you? So I think it's it's very. Transitional. Uh, my first reaction to the country, uh, per se, was of a shock. I'm like, oh, as soon as I landed here, uh, and it was like a, I we landed here like past midnight, and I barely could see any people, anyways. Yeah, yeah. But I was in hope that you know, when I get up in the morning, I would definitely, you know, I'm I'm more likely to witness people in the in the neighborhood, sure. and I go to my patio in the morning with my herbal tea in hand and I still don't see any people right. and I'm, I'm used to seeing a lot of people on the streets you know chatting with neighbors and it's very yeah. you know I, I missed home and that was the first time I think reality hit me really hard I'm like where are the people mm -hmm. do people just you know get into their cars and just disappear where are the people and I think my first relief was when my husband took me to his conference um, to New York City and I could feel at home like yeah this felt like delhi to me because i could see people everywhere in yeah, new york city yeah, sure. so so but i think over over uh over time you over as time progresses you kind of like you know accept and you you become more accepting of the fact that yeah you, this is this is what you're going to be living with and and you start making adjustments with that and i think we are very resilient as human beings we find uh, solace in you know whatever we can and now i love it here mm -hmm. now when i go to delhi you know i'm like oh my god it's so noisy and and my, and my <laughs> people they're like yeah they tell me like oh don't behave like you know that you you were not born here yeah. so yeah, so good. but but i'm glad to be north carolina particularly because this huge Indian community here as well. But um, I'm actually thankful for this opportunity that God has landed me uh, and uh, landed me with. Uh, mm -hmm. I, 
I'm very happy to be in the space that I get to interact with people from all diversities, you right. know. It's so much to learn from different people, different cultures. Yeah. It makes you very humble. It keeps you very grounded. Because you realize what you, you realize, don't know. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like you, you, you open your vision, you open your horizons, you know, in many, many explore, uh, explorative ways. And, and theater happens to be, you know, uh, the one more additional. Good way to do that, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, I was going to ask about that mm -hmm. uh, next. Uh, so, so I'm uh, I'm an old Anglophile, as um, uh, you may have uh, figured out by now. And, <laughs> and certainly, you know, the Great Celestial Cow was written by a, a British, a white British yes. uh, playwright. Yes. yes. Um, but it has some of the characteristics in it of of. of less Western art, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Before you had come to the United States, mm -hmm. uh, you, did you have, you did street theater. Yes. Um, what, what is the difference between theater in India and theater in the United States or in, say, England or uh, one of the Western countries? Sure, I would say in the heart of hearts, it's the fundamentals are the same. Yeah. You know, we, we're still expressing and uh, and, you know, contributing to education and literacy in you know in whatever ways we can but the biggest challenge for me was you know just learning different dialects just just working on my accent mm -hmm. and and i still fi find myself like you know very indian um, when i speak you know my my uh, i mean if i compare myself to my other indian f fellow friends who probably you know have were born here yeah. and their accents are totally different even my daughter speaks in a different accent yeah. and my accent is totally different and sometimes she asks me like mama what, what what did you actually mean so you know it's just that that was the biggest challenge for me and I had to really work on my words and how I pronounce them mm -hmm. how I say them that was the biggest shift for me that mm -hmm. was the biggest transition for me but as far as theater is concerned I would say yeah the basics are still the same uh, Indian theater, uh, I would say, you know. Um, when we but, think of it, we think of, in the West, we think of lo uh, very colorful mm -hmm. um, and lots of dance and music. Yes. Um, and and often uh, big casts, you know, large casts. Uh, and, and then often we think of uh, religious iconography uh, as we Absolutely. sing in the Great Celestial Absolutely. Cow. Yes. Is that a fair description? Or yes, yes. I would say, yeah, thank you for pointing that out because now when I come to think, you know, when I was thinking about it while you were talking, uh, Indian theater that I've been a part of, you know, was mostly based on, you know, Indian folklore. Yeah. So, you know, I, it was still color and there was a lot of folk stories and most most stories were lifted from like Indian Vedas and spiritual mm -hmm. books, you know, because the idea was to not just, you know, bring about awareness and, you know, invite the open dialogue from the audience, but also to educate them about this, you know, folklore. It's fascinating. It's, you know, if if even if you just put one scripture in place in Indian Hindu Vedas, I have like so many. Yeah. Even if you just put one scripture in place, there are thousands mm -hmm. and several thousands of stories that can be populated from just one Veda. Oh, really? And there is Rig Veda, there is, there is, there is so many. And it's just my husband is a more literary form, you know, on, on more literary person uh -huh. to talk about that, you know, on that. But, but the, the way it's shown in. Uh, on Indian stage is again, you know, uh, very colorful. A lot of, you know, um, uh, again, uh, Chitrakatha. It's called Chitrakatha. Chitrakatha means Chitra is drawing and mm -hmm. Katha is a story. So mm -hmm. you're basically telling a story by a drawing. Yeah. 
And I have personally been trained in Natya Shastra, where we do a lot of act through mudras, which is like acting through our fingers, through our eyes, uh-huh. through our makeup. Right. So it's more of a, like a Japanese folklore stories, yeah, like you know, say, uh, uh, ku- like kuki, a, uh, kubi, uh, kabuki, yeah. kabuki, kabuki, kabuki. Yes. Thank yeah, you, yeah, yeah. thank wow, you. That's yes. yes. And do you think they draw from the same history? I mean, is is kabuki and the style that you're describing did very it start similar. in the same very similar and part? and the stories also and the presentation of stories are kind of like very very closely intertwined yeah yes. yeah that's yes. fascinating that's really fascinating. fascinating i've never thought about that but that makes perfect sense um and so um when you uh, come to the united states mm-hmm. and you're doing a play like the secret garden mm-hmm. let's take that one for example sure. which is uh you know, has a lot of text, a lot of spoken word, um, but also has dance and Mm -hmm. music and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel as an artist like you can you can bring what you had before with you to support what you're being asked to do? Or do you feel like you have to leave that behind and start over again? A mix of both. I, uh, in fact, uh, I had an interesting conversation with a fellow actor a couple couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was asking me the same thing. And uh, I kind of, uh, as an artist, I I want to leave, I I, I want to learn, uh, how do I say that? Mm -hmm. I want to learn from every character that I've played so far yeah. and with every director I've learned from, with every, you know, fellow actor I've learned from, you know, those are synergies in place, mm-hmm. you know, that you kind of like take from each other. But at the same time, I think sometimes it's also, um, it also acts as an obstruction if you are, if you're carrying that much, you know, load on your head, it kind of does not allow you the freedom, mm-hmm. you know, that space that you're, right now wanting to be in yeah, 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 and sure. and and so it's, it's basically like and that that per, I, i've personally felt that like you know oh am i carrying that baggage still from that past show maybe because that show did like connect very well with the audiences and you know i i have that long lasting impression in my yeah. mind that i feel that yes that's one one freak one figment i want to you know introduce in my act again yeah, but at the same time absolutely yeah. so i can you know connect you know in the same way and establish the same format but at the same time you know it feels you know binding at times like that if absolutely sure, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. so i i have like over the last few years i've i've in, I'm still in transition and I'm like I'm actor in making and I'm always work in progress but I think it's always been helpful that you know um, learn the basic fundamentals and then leave the rest behind yeah. and yeah. then just go along and enjoy the beautiful process it is I think it's harder uh, today than it than it was uh, in the past mm-hmm. um, up until um, the 20th really the middle of the 20th century mm-hmm. most people who acted, only had as an example other live performances mm-hmm. that they had seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in, in the 20th century, we started having television and yes. films, yes. and people could see Al Pacino or Robert Mitchum or Meryl Streep yes. and think, uh, yes, I, I want yeah, yes. to do like that. Yeah. Uh, and now we all have it in our pockets, you know, with our cell phones. And yes. so you don't even have to go to a movie theater. You can just watch it right there. And so there's yes. this kind of tidal wave of information yes. coming into the minds of young actors. Yes. Uh, and I'm not sure that's an advantage uh, mm. uh, to them. Uh, mm. I think that's a really astute, uh, astute point. Uh, yes. 
What do you want to do? Uh, Seema, I always like to ask that question of the interviews before we wrap up. I always sure. like to ask, what's, what, what would you, how do you see your work as an artist going in the next 10 years, say? Um, I want to just do good work, to, you know, to bring, I mean, my basic reason of doing theater is that I'm able to, you know, uh, demonstrate so, uh, so many emotions that are hidden in me, you know, and so many beautiful ways, and uh, to be able to connect on a human level with my audience. Yeah. And, and it just brings me immense joy, you know, if, if, if I'm able to connect like to even one soul sitting in the audience. And if that person goes home, you know, with that long lasting effect that, yeah, that person told me there was, there was something more to do with this life. I'm put on this earth for a purpose. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of like just lose that purpose, you know, and, and I tend to do that too. We gravitate towards, you know, attaining material, material uh, things. And, you know, we kind of gravitate towards like uh, pleasing other people, doing adjustments. And, and you know, in this whole, uh, uh, I would say, we, we get crowded, we, we, our thoughts get clouded with so much going around our surroundings that we lose our own goal, like basic goal, which is, which is what I truly believe why we're here. Yeah. Why was I born? I mean, why God sent me to this particular theater, to this particular place, maybe to be able to tell a story. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, maybe there was, there's some, you know, we live in this illusion of control, and, and I believe there is this one big force that is actually determining the role for us. Mm -hmm. So I don't go with many plans. I, I embrace whatever comes my way, mm -hmm. but I, if you see, if you really want me to answer as like, as specifically as I can, which I have not been, I'm just going well, in go, all directions. Go for it. You know, but I love what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I want to connect to people and in, in a way to be able to bring more beautiful stories like the celestial cow yeah. and maybe, you know, bring some more, you know, Indian tales, you know, to, mm. the, to the American audiences. And they've been very welcoming of it so far. You know, what's, so. uh, what's interesting to me about what you're saying is that if you are in the healthcare profession, mm -hmm. for instance, you, mm -hmm. you can tell mm -hmm. if, if a patient is cured, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're yeah. uh, working for Habitat for Humanity, mm -hmm. you know when you've built a house, right? Mm -hmm. But in the arts, uh, you kind of have to ignore the audience mm. in order, in a naturalistic play, Absolutely. anyway, in yes. order to to serve them. Yes. And then they get up and leave, and so yes. you don't really know when they done. Yes. It, you have to intuit Intu it somehow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and uh, and I'm I'm very thankful to you again for bringing this up because when I'm performing. Even if there is a lot of light on the audience's face, I, I, I'm in my own zone, like yeah. as any other artist. Yeah. And the only time I realize that, oh, I am out of my character when, you know, we get an applause and when people come and meet right. with us. Right. And, and it is such a joyful process. It's just to be able to just kind of relate to different personalities, to be able to... To, to, to be able to enact different roles, you right. know, and connect to this beautiful medium. I think it's a, it's a very privileged space and well, it it's a, a blessing. It has been a joyful process and a blessing to us to have you involved in this thank play. Thank you, it's an honor, to, thank you. We literally don't know how we could have done it without you, Seema, so thank you for your work on this. It means a lot, thank and, you. Uh, and we will open The Great Celestial Cow by Sue Townsend this Thursday, that's April 11th, uh, here at Burning Coal Theatre Company and run three weeks through April 28th 
Tickets can be obtained at burningcoal.org or by giving us a ring at 919-834-4001 if you want to avoid the online service charge. And thank you again, Seema. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you for having me over. Thank you so much. It's an honor.